What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 257 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Tom Tursich from the World Walk. Tom just finished a huge accomplishment, which was walking around the world for the last seven years. He's one of 10 people to do it, and his dog Savannah is the first dog to have done it. As you might expect, somebody who walks around the world for that amount of time is exposed to a lot of really interesting, cool things and comes to some really cool conclusions about the world and life in general. And I think around minute 20 is where you really start to hear the impact that this walk had on Tom. And he gives us some really actionable things that we all can do when we find ourselves in some dark places in our minds and how we can start working towards finding our purpose in life. That's what I really loved about this episode because it gives us something to take action with, something that you can sit down and do the second this episode's over and start plotting how you can find and start living your purpose. If you haven't already heard of Tom or don't know really much about what he's done, I highly recommend checking out his YouTube channel. Since he's finished his walk, he's not posting any more videos, but it it will bring you up to speed on the adventures that he's had over the last seven years. He's very active on Instagram as well, The World Walk, and then his website, theworldwalk.com. Tom is in the process of writing his memoir, and gives regular speeches. So there's a lot of great stuff online about him, what he's done and what he's currently doing that you can check out. And if I didn't ask a question that you have a burning desire to find out, I'm sure if you shot him a little note, he could answer it for you. And if you like this episode, please share with a friend. That's definitely the best way for me to grow my fan base and grow Misfits and Rejects. And if you're a first time listener, please hit that subscribe button. And if you haven't already gotten the Misfits and Rejects t-shirt, you can head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. Or you can head over to Patreon if you want to support Misfits and Rejects and give a monthly donation. It's all appreciated. Nothing is expected. But all those links will be down in the show notes. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Tom Tursich from The World Walk. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Tom Tursich from The World Walk. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a pleasure following you, man, on Instagram and the many years you've been on the road and the few places that I've been to that you have as well. Like It was fun to kind of just reminisce on my times in those locations and see how you were getting through them as well. So for the audience to bring them up to speed, can you describe the accomplishment you just finished? Sure. So I am the 10th person to walk around the world, uh, the first to do so with a dog. And I walked 28,000 miles across 38 countries over seven years. Yeah, dude. Incredible. And I've only met one other couple of people doing it when I was living in Nicaragua. There are two, I believe, Polish or Romanian guys who are walking around the world for peace. And they came and camped with... uh, friends of mine on the beach and it was really interesting to see how their bodies had atrophied and like how hard it was to really walk um can you talk about that a little bit like the 
the just the pounding of the pavement day in and day out did it have a pretty bad effect on your body uh no i would say it wasn't i i don't think there was really um after the first month really any negative impact uh i also wasn't carrying a backpack they might have been carrying backpacks which i very purposefully avoided because i knew this was going to be at least a five-year adventure and i just didn't want to have this you know 50 pound minimum tumor kind of attached to my back breaking my knees and whatever else um so i pushed this baby carriage essentially with all my things in it and i adopted my dog savannah four months in and so it really was the only way i could have done it because i needed to carry uh her food and then enough water for the both of us especially through some stretches in say peru and chile in the desert or even wyoming in the high desert uh where we go four or five days in between but uh as far as the body uh I, you know i avoided that weight of the backpack on me which was beneficial but yeah that first month of walking there was definitely a big adjustment which i guess is kind of surprising because it's just walking and i have been an athlete in my whole life i played soccer all the way through high school, I swam, uh, played college tennis, and I've always lived very actively and I've been in good shape. But even still, at the beginning, I was walking just 15 miles a day. And even then, my ankles would swell up, my hamstrings would cramp, I would get a lot of blisters, lose some toenails occasionally. But after about that first month, my body kind of adjusted and I definitely lost a little bit of weight in, uh, primarily because I, at that point was going to the gym and had, you know, muscle more on my upper body and I just didn't need that as much anymore. So I lost some of that muscle on the upper body and I, when you're walking 15 miles a day and eventually I ramped up to, I would do 24 miles a day, uh, roughly I'm burning 5,000 calories a day. So I uh, lost a little bit of weight, uh, but you end up, your body kind of figures out a homeostasis. And uh, as long as I kind of just wolfed down food whenever I had the opportunity, uh, I felt pretty good uh, every day. Um, I had a one-off bacteria infection, which nearly um, you know, knocked me out, uh, nearly shuffled me off the mortal coil. But uh, besides that, uh, my body uh, is in good shape, and and, uh, and I think the walking was actually very very beneficial for it. How did uh, Savannah's little paws hold up throughout the distances that you were doing every day? Was she fine, or did you have to like make make some little boots for her or something like that? That is actually one of the things that still kind of amazes me is that her paws were never an issue uh, even there was one little instance when we were in honduras you got this little kind of very tiny little pyramid of glass that wedged right in one of her paws uh, her paw pads uh, but other than that she was her, her paws are like stones either we would walk through all sorts of temperatures and she's i think part of it is that i adopted her when she was very young when she was just three months and then we started walking um, a couple weeks in after she got her vaccinations and she kind of walked at her own pace at the beginning for the, uh, from, uh, Texas into Mexico. And then once we got to Mexico, she was walking 20, 
24 miles a day, balls were just like stones. It's kind of, it's unbelievable. And when I did try to put the booties on her, she refused to walk. She hated them. <laughs> That's cute, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's really inspirational to see you both do it together and, and form such a magical bond. Can you take our audience through the route that you kind of mapped out and took? Sure. So I began in New Jersey. Uh, the, over the first year, I walked down to Panama, so all through Central America. Uh, second year, I walked from Bogota, Colombia, to the west coast of South America, so Ecuador, Peru, Chile, and then across Argentina over to Uruguay, where I had, where I have cousins. So I ended up staying a little bit with them. Took a boat briefly to Antarctica just to plant my feet on it. And then I walked Iceland, Ireland, Scotland, and then Denmark all the way down to uh, the bottom of Spain, across Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, up Italy, across the Mediterranean, along the Mediterranean, across Turkey, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan. And originally the plan was to go up to Mongolia through Kazakhstan, and uh, that ended up not being possible because of COVID. Uh, they were closed. And then originally the plan was to walk Australia as well, but Australia was closed uh, because of COVID as well. So from Kyrgyzstan, I flew home and walked from Washington state, from Seattle back home to New Jersey. And yeah, you know, all in all it took seven years. Yeah, man. I mean, that's pretty re remarkable. I was, I think that's where I kind of stumbled into your Instagram was when you were, you were on the state side in Washington and kind of in following you, you sense. And, you know, for the audience to kind of wrap their head around your desire to do this, like what was the motivation? I had a friend who passed away when I was 17 and it was very formative for me. She was the first person I was close to who passed and she was also just the best person I knew uh, that uh, everyone says this. It's like this platitude when someone got dies, like, oh, they were the nicest person I knew. But in this case, Anne-Marie, my friend who passed, really was the nicest, probably best person I knew. And so that really kind of shattered the foundations that I had to that point of, of how to live and what life is because it was just this realization that – if Anne-Marie can die, who is so clearly a nicer person than me, a smarter person than me, if she can die, then clearly so can I. And so I had to kind of rebuild um, my worldview and, and how to live after she died. And I discovered Dead Poet Society like a couple months later, and that was very formative, the Carpe Diem, Seize the Day. And so I kind of started taking action indiscriminately, I would just sign up for everything, do everything as much as I could. And eventually came to the realization that, you know, action, you, you have to take action, but um, even more important, you have to take action in uh, direction, according to your values, to, to what you want kind of thing. And so I really thought about what do I value? What do I want out of life? What's important to me? And I know I wanted to travel. I wanted to be forced into adventure because I was fairly timid, fairly introverted, so I wanted to kind of put myself in this situation where I was forced into places and situations maybe I wouldn't seek out normally, and I wanted to understand the world. And uh, so I scoured the internet for 
different ways to travel and eventually stumbled upon Steve Newman and Carl Bushby, these two guys who had walked around the world. And that idea of walking around the world fulfilled everything I wanted, you know, travel, adventure, understanding. And then it was eight years of going to school and then working and living at home and paying off loans and working and paying off loans until I thought I had enough saved where I could bleed out my savings to Argentina over two years or Uruguay over two years. And then right before I left, there's a couple of news articles written about me in the Philadelphia Inquirer and a couple other local papers. And I was able to connect with this local business, Philadelphia Sign. The owner happened to knew my, know my friend Anne-Marie. They happened to be opening up an international branch. So I got very lucky where, um, you know, I was ready to leave and kind of gamble at all. But I got very lucky that I, my path kind of intersected with Philadelphia Sign and they ended up uh, sponsoring me. And it wasn't a lot, but it was enough. It was enough to, you know, uh, live uh, on the road, which means just like basically I'm just paying for food. That is really cool. And how lucky you were to, yeah, get that connection last minute. How much did you save though, actually for your budget for those two years? Um, it was, I think it was, I had probably 32,000 after paying off my loans, something like that, or almost, I didn't actually, I didn't even have my loans paid off. Um, I was going to, you know, pay off the loan, continue paying off the loans while bleeding out the money and all that. And, um, and then with Philadelphia sign, I was able to just throw all my money at the loans. I basically have $0 in my bank account and then live off of this, uh, small, uh, sponsorship. And then after those two years, uh, Central and South America were very affordable, very cheap. And I almost never stayed in a hotel. And so, um, you know, just lived very, very frugally because I was out there living my dream and that was enough for me. And then when I got to Europe and it, the cost of living is just much higher. And so I started a Patreon and that helped supplement, um, you know, and make it possible. Yeah. Good strategies, man. Were you from originally? What was your like home home life like? Were you growing up in like a very adventurous family or something? No, I wouldn't say so. Uh, just suburban New Jersey family, uh, right outside Philly. My dad, I definitely get the adventure side of me from my dad. Uh, when he was younger, he bought a half acre of land uh, on South Point, Hawaii, when he was eighteen. And then moved out there and lived under a tarp for like four years and would spear fish for food or work at a, a sugar plantation, sugar cane plantation. And uh, so I definitely had uh, the adventurer side from him uh, that kind of need to, to see more. Um, and then from my, but from my mother, I get a much more kind of pragmatic and uh, analytical uh, side uh, to myself. And so that's where it's more kind of, I kind of, I think that's where I got like, let's narrow this down to what do I want out of life kind of thing, not just go out. And, you know, part of it, it, it was that balance of, uh, you know, part of it was just existing out in the world and seeing what comes to you. Um, but also it was about putting myself in, in the situation again, like I said, where it's, and I wanted to understand the world and I wanted to not be able to pass over these little villages that even if you're, biking around the world or cycling around the world, you can just blow by. I remember in Guatemala, I met uh, this cyclist who was riding from Alaska 
down to Tierra del Fuego and we're still good friends. And we met up again in Lima and we're kind of trading these stories that we heard about El Salvador, which was the next country. And at the time, in hindsight, it was in its most violent month of its most violent year of its history. So it was like a really uh, tense time to pass through it. And uh, my friend, uh, the cyclist, he just he went through it in a single day. He just kind of pushed through what left early in the morning, rode through the night and went through El Salvador in a single day. And for me, it took me, I don't know, I guess it was just like a week or something like that. And so, but that was kind of, that was by design. You know, I wanted to not have the option to, um, to skip over anywhere. And then, you know, I get to El Salvador and it was, uh, it was great. And I had a lot of great smoothies and, uh, pupusas and <laughs> met some great people. <laughs> That's cool. What, what year did you pass through Nicaragua? Um, so that was all in 2015. Okay. Yeah. I was in Nicaragua in 2015. Um, would have loved to have come, have you come stay with us down on the beach in Gigante. Where did you, did you, you must've spent a few weeks walking through Nicaragua. where did you stay? Um, oh man, I don't know. I was in Granada okay. uh, and then just a bunch of little villages, you know? Just, okay. No, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. you said something earlier, you know, the, the passing of your good friend Anne Marie changed your view of the world and you, you almost lost something like your view of the world was not what you expected it to be. And this desire to go find that view of the world again through the walking around it is really an interesting way to approach it. And now that you've finished this long walk, I mean, knowing where you started and where you, you ended up, like what have you discovered about your view of the world now? I think uh, my the primary thing I learned uh, from the walk is just how small people are and how situational life really is. I mean, I met people around the world uh, who, again, smarter than me, kinder than me. I, I mean, I met people all around the world who helped me and and didn't know me. And I would always think, I was like, I don't know if I would do the same in this situation. I think I, I don't, you know, I probably, I would now, but at the time I was like, I don't know if I would, I would, if I would have offered help to myself. And so it always kind of amazed me. And, and then I had these conversations with people all around the world and, you know, really bright, intelligent people. Um, but, you know, you just see kind of over and, and through passing through uh, so many different countries uh, what kind of limitations there are on the people in that country or even in like a particular ecosystem or geography that they grow up in. Um, and so kind of like, you know, the thing that was really driven home that I don't think I realized as much when I was younger before starting the walk again is just how small people are, how much systems matter, especially good political systems, uh, good economic systems matter. Um, and how much even just things like geography matter. Uh, what comes to mind is I'm talking to this guy in Peru and in the Northern desert there, there's these shops along the road that are basically just bamboo little huts and they sell motor oil or gasoline to passing, uh, tractor trailers. And I stopped at one of these to just get out of the midday sun and I asked this guy, if, you know, if I can just sit in the shade. And he was like, yeah, of course. And so we sat there and uh, we talked for probably two hours, something like that. And it was clear, like, this guy was really bright and driven. And, you know, for the shop that he had, it was a pristine, you know, operation. 
but he never left Peru and he probably would never leave Peru uh, because he his passport's weaker and he was born in like a town in the desert away from the capital where there wasn't even uh, you know, at the time there wasn't even plumbing or uh, so there wasn't you had to get water from the well just by circumstance you know being born into a town in northern Peru uh, and with a Peruvian passport it was unlikely he was ever going to leave Peru. You know, he's away from the capital where there's more influence and, and the town that he's from, you know, there's not even plumbing and there's, there's no toilets. You get water, potable water from a well. And so, you know, it just, uh, it's like one little example, one anecdote of kind of this lesson that was driven home over and over and over again of just how much life is dictated by circumstance. Yeah. I found that to be true for myself as well. And I, you know, follow a lot of people online who are, you know, expounding this, like, you got to just work harder, you got to just work harder. And when you apply it to the example you just gave, it just that person working harder isn't going to change their life circumstance that much. Um, granted, there's tons of examples of people who have walked, you know, out of Africa into Europe, you know, out of Central and South America to the States, and have created a very successful financially affluent life for themselves but like just this constant bombardment in america just you have to work harder to achieve your goals like it's not applicable necessarily to everyone's life circumstances yeah i mean it's uh you know there's there's a little bit of both you know obviously you have to if you want to achieve something you have to work i mean if you want to walk around the world you have to walk every day it's not like you can not walk um but it's also useful in you know, uh, improving other people's lives and, and kind of understanding, uh, the influences on people. And, uh, you know, uh, so it's, I think it's, it's useful, uh, to like grow empathy for other people and to give grace to other people, uh, and even to yourself, you know, um, because some things are just left to chance no matter how hard you work. Some people get, you know, the right break. I, again, I was like very fortunate to, get that sponsorship who knows if I would have gotten a sponsorship if I hadn't connected with them. Um, and who knows if, you know, I would have finished the walk. Um, so, you know, there's, it's kind of like, you know, don't take too much credit for your success and, uh, don't beat yourself up too much, uh, over your failures either. I really like that. And I picked up on that in one of the speeches I, I watched of you online with this concept of radical empathy. Is that something you came up with or is there a book called radical empathy? No, no, something that, that I came up with. Um, and I think again, that's just born of understanding how important and influential, uh, circumstances are. Um, and you know, just everything I said before you meet these people from all over the world in different circumstances and uh you just see over and over again um how little of life is actually up to the individual living it and so i think that just understanding that um helps you practice radical empathy with other people and with yourself and you know on a very not like a superficial radical empathy but you know an empathy built on uh, an understanding of the world and how large and complex and difficult it can be to exist in or even just to make a living in. Yeah. Do you think you found your purpose while you were walking or do you think, you know, Anne-Marie's passing kind of drove you to this purpose that you set out to achieve? Uh, I definitely think it was um, the, uh, the latter where, 
it was Amory and it, my purpose was definitely the world walk. I don't think I, I found my purpose while I was walking around. I was living my purpose. Uh, there's a strange things that happened after the walk was over was I kind of lived in this afterglow. Uh, so I finished last May and for about three months I was just, it didn't matter what I did. You know, I didn't need to do anything any day. I was just very happy to have completed my walk around the world, my dream. I had lived my dream. I had accomplished it. And now I was back home with family and friends and life was great. And then at a certain point, I kind of dawned on me. I was like, like, I needed to make a living and I needed to transition into something else. And I had this very real thought that just, oh, it keeps going. Like I was ready to die. <laughs> I could have died content, contentedly after this. I didn't need anything else. I'd lived my dream. And you know, this idea is something that dominated my life for 16 years. I, I had the dream at 17. I didn't complete it until I was 33. And um, yeah, so after it was over, uh, it was really hard for me to just get my head around that life keeps going. Yeah, I, I mean, I've experienced a similar feeling after coming back from a, a not a walk around the world, but a, a living very hard trip around the world for one year and the, that glow lasted for quite a while as well which in hindsight I look at as like finding something that if I could sustain that lightness and that feeling of fulfillment that's almost maybe what like uh, enlightenment might be like not that I just found enlightenment but it was kind of like you described where just you were at peace just being and everything that was going on around you was a-okay, whether it was positive or negative. Was that kind of your experience as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, if you could maintain that forever, it'd be maybe it's just like a dog's life or something. You know, you're just happy just existing. Exactly. And then so being, you know, I guess kind of smacked in the face by like, hey, now I'm back in, you know, in the States where a lot of people are in the rat race that I might have to jump in as well. Did you find yourself getting a little depressed or, in, you know, having some dark days when it kind of started to really sink in? Yeah, I, I definitely did. I probably the the only time I've ever really had like depressive symptoms uh, was after um, after the walk, like six months or maybe a little less than that um, after the walk, and it was just a, it was a very difficult transition. Um, it was difficult because when I was walking, you know, every day I had this very concrete purpose where you get up and you just push a little further down the road. And through that act and through like fulfilling this very simple goal, I would be interacting with the world and I would kind of, I would be forced into discomfort and I would be forced to learn and I would be forced to interact in a new culture with different people, probably in a different language. And so each day was just had this built in inherent challenge and growth to it. And then when it, the walk was over and I was living in a city and life didn't just kind of come at me and I didn't have this purpose. Uh, it felt very flat and I realized, you know, that I had this, had maybe atrophied, uh, some sort of muscle, uh, that was like spurring action. Uh, it, I had to, I had to like relearn how to, kickstart some inertia uh whereas before i was already in motion and so it's kind of like every day or maybe or just just building new habits and 
and figuring out how to interact uh, in this very, very different lifestyle. Uh, yes, it was difficult, and um, but you know, it, it was just a just a, a period of, of time, and I think it kind of resolved itself as I was able to um, just transition, just kind of get into a get into a different rhythm and find um, you know some work that uh, I enjoyed. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. You know, expounding on that a little bit more because this is within my audience, I think, a place that a lot of people can resonate with and are stuck in. And the deliverable by you is just helping them understand the steps that you took specifically. You know, like you see, kind of glossed over it, just kind of figured itself out. But like for a lot of people, it doesn't. You know, a lot of people just are just on the hamster wheel going and not able to figure out those kind of things that you either naturally did or someone helped, helped you with, like what were like maybe just two to three specific things that when you found yourself in the darkest places after, you know, in that time period you started doing to kickstart that inertia? Well, I think it comes back to, um, like some kind of deeper values or, or, or deeper direction in your life. Um, so, for me in, in that period, um, there was like, you know, there's a anxiety, um, and depression. And it's also really just, uh, like feeling like I, I didn't have uh, a purpose and, uh, I, I had had this purpose that was so clear and so driving for such a long time that when I lost it, that's where kind of the void was. Um, and so, the world walk initially was born of me deciding you know, what do I value and then finding something that fit into that. And so what kind of pulled me out of that was try was delving back into, okay, what are the things that I value? What are the things that make me happy? What are the, how do I want to spend my time in life? And then letting that inform what action to take. And so, um, you know, I started going, uh, to the library every day, uh, and, and you know, working on uh, the memoir, and then I started uh, really getting more into public speaking uh, or doing keynote talks because through uh, this walk, this is kind of that was kind of a new thing for me. It's something I didn't really uh, see myself doing, and I think before it wouldn't have fit at all. But after you know living this very unique experience and kind of um, accomplishing uh, my dream and something that, you know, few people have been able to do before. It felt like I had some sort of message uh, we're sharing and it felt like very natural. And so I kind of focused on those two things. Um, and it seemed like, you know, what I value is having uh, my own time uh, working uh, at my own time, re regardless of how much money I'm making. You know, obviously I was walking around the world. I could care less about, you know, money. If I had if I had enough dream, enough money to live my dream, then that was enough. And so I took the same attitude with the writing. It's like I might not be getting paid for this. Uh, I might get a book deal. I might not get a book deal. But this is what I love doing. And then the speaking that pays a little bit. That'll be enough to pay the bills. And also, uh, feels worthwhile. And I enjoy it. And it feels like there there's a creative aspect to it. And there's opportunity for growth in it, uh, which I appreciate it. And so. I kind of just leaned on those a little more. And then through doing those things, I had this sense of growth again, which I think is important having some creative outlet. Uh, that's very important for me at least is to have some creative outlet where I feel like I'm growing. Uh, 
Um, and then I had uh, a enough money coming in where I could live. And uh, once I had those things going, then, you know, everything else kind of fell in place. And, you know, uh, riding my bike to the library every day, meeting some people, uh, it all kind of fell in place. But once I, once I uh, had that growth, had that creative outlet, and was kind of living again uh, what I thought was somewhat according to my values, uh, then um, it, it sort of uh, resolved itself. That's a great answer, Tom. I can really relate to that just in my current life circumstance of being in Mexico and having strived for this lifestyle for so many years that I'm currently living and had glimpses of it over time. But now it's like you said, just my values are really being met on a daily and my creative energy is being fulfilled and, and, and being tested. Like today, I went to the, the DMV here in Mexico, which as anybody could imagine is a lot different than the DMV in America. And I had no expectations because I knew it was going to be challenging and it was a very pleasurable two-hour experience. Smiling, friendly people where I was thinking like if I was in the States, those two hours would have been so torturous. I would have been so angry at the inefficiencies of our system. And I just started really kind of sinking into that that thought that like, it was all based on expectation. And I had none. And if I could live my life without expectation, things would be so much more effortless and fun. Yeah, that's the goal for sure. That's, that's definitely part of it. <laughs> so where are you right now? Where have you settled into America? Uh, well, I was in Seattle for a bit. Um, and I'm currently in Alaska. This is where my girlfriend's from. And she, it's kind of complicated situation but uh i'm currently in alaska right now and we'll be moving uh somewhere else in may don't know where yet but she's she's finishing med school and so she has a residency coming up and i can live wherever so uh wherever she ends up for residency is where i will end up that's cool man if you don't mind me asking a personal question did you guys maintain this relationship over the time you were walking or is this a new one we met uh, on the tail end of my walk. So, uh, in like the middle of Washington state, uh, we met in a small town and then, uh, she kind of followed me, uh, while I was walking and met up with me along the way, uh, a few times. And so we, uh, yeah, we just had a very good bond. And then after the walk was over, stayed home for like three months and then, uh, she was in school in Seattle. So I, uh, moved out there to, to live with her, uh, for, for the time being. That's really fun, Tom. You know, with your walk and people following you, I mean, I just have this image of like Forrest Gump having all these people kind of follow him into the desert as he's running, you know, from coast to coast, thinking that he has the answers. Have you had a lot of that? People reaching out, wondering if you could, you know, give them the answer to life or the meaning of life throughout the last seven years? Um, I don't know if... Uh quite uh it's quite like that i mean the the walking itself was very so, very solitary i would have in the us i'd have people every once in a while uh recognize me which was uh fun but for the majority of it you know i was just on my own and i was anonymous which was which was nice um but definitely afterwards uh you know the one of the questions i get the most is you know what was the takeaway what did you learn from uh from the walk and you know, i already touched that touched on that a bit here uh, but no, I haven't felt, uh, too much like uh, a profit or anything like that. Uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, no, it's, it's, uh, I, I try, I honestly, I try not to talk about it, 
even that much is strange to talk about it. It's also, it's such a, uh, personal experience where it doesn't like parts of it translate. And if someone really wants to know about it and if they're asking questions, I'm happy to answer them. Um, but I always thought in a way that, you know, I would return home with all these memories and, uh, lessons and experiences to kind of like pass out like trinkets. And it just doesn't work like that. Like these, it's just between me and Savannah. Uh, she's the only one who lived the adventure with me. And so she's the only other one who knows kind of like the depths of, uh, you know, how difficult it was at points and, uh, how isolating it was at points and also how beautiful it was. And, and all these, uh, all these different campsites that we had around the world. She's the only other one who was there when, you know, we were camped over the sea in the desert and, Peru or under the stars in Chile or up in, you know, the mountains in, in Kyrgyzstan or Turkey. Um, and so I have all these kind of, uh, you know, these great memories and, and experiences, uh, but they, they don't, you just, unfortunately it doesn't translate wholly, uh, into like these perfectly giftable, um, uh, stories or, uh, you know, tales. Uh, so, yeah, I know it's uh it's it's definitely uh it's definitely strange. Um and uh yeah, I try try not to talk about it too much unless someone's really asking about it. Which is funny considering you're positioning yourself to, you know, at least right now, make your money by telling and retelling the story, the same story over and over again. <laughs> and you being an introvert, I mean, and I'm an introvert, so who has a podcast and like putting myself out there like these are challenges that are difficult for me. And I'm assuming for you as well, like how are you dealing with those in the same way? I guess you just got up and walked 25 miles a day or yeah, just I mean, the same process all the way through. I think I'm, I'm a very different person than I was at 17 or even after I finished college. And, um, I'm not nearly as introverted as I was. And, you know, the message that I, like in these speaking engagements is stuff I, I feel that's worth sharing. So I'm not just talking about trivial things. These are, you know, ideas that I think are important for people to understand. I think uh, are uh, like lessons for how to live uh, a meaningful, significant, purpose-filled life. Uh, and also I just, you know, I've been through a lot. So now the idea of like going on stage and speaking to people, it's, you know, that's not really that intimidating uh, as it probably would have been before. Um, so yeah, in that way, it's kind of, it kind of this natural progression. Yeah, no, I can relate as well. What kind of hobbies do you have that, uh, you either have always had or you picked up along the way? Oh, I mean, uh, on the way it was probably, it was photography for sure. I had no interest in photography at all before beginning, but, um, I had this fundraiser before I left, which helped me pay off the last of my student loans. And once I um, had this fundraiser, I felt indebted to people. And so I was like, oh man, I should start an Instagram or whatever. Before I wasn't even gonna, I didn't have social media or anything. And so I kind of, I got a camera and I started Instagram wholly to kind of like repay these people who were uh, very generous and believing in me. And, uh, Photography is also like one of the few hobbies that kind of I could have on the road. I, I was walking eight hours a day. At the end of the day, I'm exhausted. And so to take photos along the way was natural because I'm seeing new things. I'm seeing interesting things. 
uh, things that other people are, are interested in. And then at the end of the day, it was very easy to edit and share. Like I barely needed any internet to upload a photo. Uh, so it was this natural fit. And so I, I, that, that skill is very, very honed. Um, I, I have grown a lot as a photographer. Um, I don't know if I, uh, I have done much photography, honestly, since stopping, I've, uh, maybe done a job kind of here and there. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's not like, uh, uh, it's not like this thing I go out and do anymore. Uh, kind of the, the hobby now is, uh, more like I, I'm enjoying the writing. I don't know if that's uh, a hobby, but I, I do that walks with Savannah playing tennis. Um, here I'm playing ping pong. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a different, different sort of hobby. I, I, I think once pretty soon I'll get to a point where I, I want to travel again. And the way I definitely want to travel is uh, to travel and, and just go take photographs. Uh, that's the most appealing to me because you really, uh, get into a place when you're looking for good photography. You can't kind of skim on the surface. You have to go and find interesting stories and interesting places and places that are off the beaten path. Uh, so when I do, get that urge to travel again it'll definitely be to uh to photograph nice yeah are you when you do start traveling again i'm assuming you're probably not gonna be walking ever again in the way you just did but maybe you will are you gonna maybe ride a bike or you're gonna just kind of go to taking buses and planes oh yeah buses and planes (laughs) i mean i definitely um there's a lot of interest i definitely have a lot of interest in in biking uh more of europe um just because there's great bike paths and um, you know, you could do pretty easy days and, uh, kind of have this nice balance. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if, um, there, there's a part of me that's like interested in doing PCT or the AT. Uh, but I, I'm definitely, I'm not at that point yet. I think, uh, right now it's more, you know, I'd like to go to Cuba. I would like to, uh, get to Japan. Uh, there's some places on my list that I'd like to get to and just kind of see, Somewhat as a normal tourist, but also more like lean on uh, the idea of, you know, uh, using photography as a way to kind of expose me to the world and, and make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Have you picked up any like causes that you're really passionate about through throughout walking that you're just like, I need to shed some light on this issue in the world? Or are you just going to keep trying to just go around, just move around the world and experience? I mean, I definitely solve problems. I mean, definitely like one of the, uh, um, the primary things that uh, I'm passionate about is just like dogs and, uh, how dogs are treated, uh, around the world. I mean, in the U S they're like our kids and in Europe, it's pretty similar, uh, in Turkey, they're treated well too, but in a lot of countries, you know, there's a lot of strays and they live really hard lives. Um, so definitely that is very close to me. Um, and then the other thing is, um, you know, like environmentalism, uh, you know, but definitely I have this dream of getting a plot of land and just like reforesting it. Uh, that would be, that would be great. Um, but yeah, you know, I donate to, um, a couple places every month, um, to support those causes. Uh, but, uh, otherwise, yeah. Why don't you share them though? So the audience might be able to donate some as well. 
Uh, Eden Reforestation uh, is one I've been donating to for years, and they just kind of shoot uh, trees into the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty cool. And then Austin Pets Alive is where I got Savannah, and it's a no-kill shelter, and they do uh, great stuff by uh, saving these dogs um, that were maybe in kill shelters or found on the road uh, in Austin. And so, you know, obviously I have some loyalty to that because they got me Savannah. Yeah, totally. Just out of curiosity, what did you study at uni? Uh, psychology and philosophy. Nice. I, I studied psych as well. I felt like that we were vibing on that. <laughs> um, well, Tom, this has been really cool. And before I let you go, I do have a few more questions for you. If you could describe freedom as a smell, how would you describe it? Freedom as a smell. Um, I would say it's like the forest for sure. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Um, it's like a forest. So you get that maybe a little mossiness to it, maybe a little dewiness to it, but it's this green, uh, freshness. Okay. If you could describe freedom as a site, how would you describe it? Mm, freedom as a site. Oh man. Uh, yeah, probably, probably a tent tucked somewhere away, uh, maybe on a hill, maybe in the forest, maybe, uh, in the desert, something, uh, some remote tent. So that's freedom. Beautiful. If you could speak to one audience member, who is desiring to take an adventure or just change their life in some way, shape or form, what words of wisdom could you give them to inspire them? Uh, I would say be a little more reckless um, because you're already dead. Like the game's already over. You already lost. Um, And so you may as well, you know, fail in the direction of your dreams. And, uh, if you fail then get up and you fall, you fail again. Um, so I think, uh, be a little more reckless. Uh, people are, can be, can handle their lives with a little too much care. Beautifully said, Tom. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Awesome. Tom. Thank you so much for your time, folks. Check him out on Instagram, the world walk, YouTube, the world walk and his website, theworldwalk.com. If you would like to learn more about him, what he's doing, where he's currently at in life, and what it was like walking around the world for seven years. What a cool, incredible accomplishment. And if you'd like to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that in a few ways. The best way and the freest way is just sharing this episode with a friend. It helps me grow my audience. And with a bigger audience comes potential sponsorships and a way for me to potentially monetize my passion, which is podcasting. You can also head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick up a t-shirt or patreon.com backslash misfits and rejects where you can give a monthly donation whatever you want it's all appreciated nothing is expected and if you just wanted to give one donation one time all you'd have to do is give that donation and then cancel your patreon account it's all appreciated i think you all are so very beautiful thank you for joining us today and i'll see you in next week's episode take care ciao thank you for listening to misfits and rejects i hope this inspire you to think about your life situation where you're at and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out and spread your wings and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.